Hey, it's Stu Saunders from The Authentic Entrepreneur. Before we get into this week's podcast with Alan Stein, who's an incredible human being, I want to share with you something amazing. Uh, we are running a program this April called Epic. And if you go over to YouTube and to The Authentic Entrepreneurs on YouTube, you can watch the video all about that event. Alan Stein is one of 15 uh, presenters who will be there, world-class presenters in performance and business and leadership development, uh, building a brand, building a life that is truly epic. So if you're interest, interested, just head on over to YouTube and watch that or look up theepiccommunity.com. Thanks. Enjoy the show. This is the Authentic Entrepreneur's Podcast with your host, Nick Foley and Stu Saunders. Here we go. Here we go. This is what I got to say. All right, welcome to another episode of the uh, Authentic Entrepreneurs. Authentic too. Entrepreneurs. Had a mind blank. What are we doing here? We're well, acting like it's the first episode. Oh, I thought this was our other uh, podcast we do. This is the only one I've ever done. On, uh, no, we have another podcast we do on home improvement. On home improvement, right? I forgot about that one. Yeah, but the Authentic Home Improvers. No, we just call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, we're excited today because we have our third uh, guest and um, very different guest. Um, then our first two, each one's been very unique, actually. Yes. Kate uh, O'Neill's been great. Go back and watch that. That was our first guest. Watch her. Um, and then go back and watch uh, Phil Jones, great on selling Kate on technology. Um, and today's guest is Alan Stein. Alan Stein is a um, performance expert. Performance expert coach, performance coach. Yeah. yeah. And Alan is, uh, he's got a great history. Actually, he has a brand new book out coming out actually in January called Raise Your Game. There's Alan right there, handsome fella. And uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, then watch YouTube to see what Alan looks like because it's worth uh, better looking than me and me and Nick, that's for sure. Um, but uh, talk a little, little bit background about, about uh, Alan. So Alan has, uh, yeah, he's a performance coach. He's worked with uh, NBA greats. Um, such as? Such as uh, Kevin Durant. He's Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. He's worked alongside with Steph Curry. I yep. mean, the, the, the list is, is endless. Del Curry. Um, he's done all kinds of Nike performance camps, different things like that. So he's a uh, performance coach. But now USA basketball. USA basketball. But now what he does is he takes what he's learned from all these amazing coaches and athletes and packages that into amazing keynote speeches for yeah. um, corporate America. And so I think it's and really into this book, which he is coming out again in January. Um, raise your game. And he also kind of like he 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 brings together the idea of what happens or what elite basketball players do to become the best. Um, at basketball is easily transferable to any part of your life. Specifically, we're talking entrepreneurship, yeah. but it, it's easily transferable. Yeah, no, this is a great episode. I mean, it is transferable from, from athletes to entrepreneurs to what you do in your life. And yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's great. And once again, we planned on 20 minutes, but it went 40. Um, you talk to that guy all day. Yeah. People are going to find out. I think they're going to see this episode and be like, you know what? You could have went on and on and on. We could we could have like two or three, like all with all our guests, but we could have like two or three episodes. Yeah, and I think this one makes the cost of our subscription to our podcast worth it. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Although, Which is the cost for the record, it? um, it's free. Um, so subscribe and uh, watch on YouTube. Watch on uh, just on YouTube. Um, listen on iTunes and um, and and share. Um, like, comment. Yeah, The Authentic Entrepreneur. So please enjoy our wide-ranging and wonderfully, um, wonderfully, I, th I was actually inspired by it um, after it. So here is uh, our chat with Mr. Alan Stein, Jr. 
Hey, all right. We are super excited today uh, in this episode of The Authentic Entrepreneurs to have our, uh, our third and perhaps um, most um, athletic not perhaps, the most athletic. <laughs> well, I, I said perhaps because you're in the room and you played pro sports mm. and I have never played any pro sports. So uh, we have Alan Stein with us. We're excited. Uh, Alan, welcome to uh, The Authentic Entrepreneurs. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm, and I, as I, if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be as well as do both, I say do iTunes and YouTube, um, but on the, uh, behind your wall, behind your head on your wall uh, in your office, where are you right now? I'm at my home office right outside of Washington, D.C. Beautiful. Um, you have a lot of cool pictures um, behind you, like a lot of very cool pictures. And I'm just wondering, like, this is this is your backstory. This is your history. Um, so maybe you could kind of tell us a little bit about the Allenstein story. Where did it all begin? Where, 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 why are you who you are doing what you're doing? I would say basketball was my first identifiable passion. You know, I was incredibly active as a kid uh, and did all sorts of activities and sports, you know, ranging from martial arts to BMX biking and skateboarding to your more traditional sports of, of football and soccer and baseball. Uh, but for some reason, I always kept coming back to basketball and, and basketball was my clear favorite, even at a very early age. Um, I was very fortunate to be a fairly decent public school player here in the Washington, D.C. area uh, and earn a college scholarship to play at a school down in North Carolina and realized then that I wanted to make my living in the game of basketball, that that, that was my purpose, that was my passion, and I wanted to kind of align what I loved with what I thought I was fairly good at. And uh, when it became clear that that the playing days were going to end when college was over, I knew that I wanted to be involved in the game. Uh, and at this time in the late 90s, there weren't that many options. You know, the first route would be to kind of be a teacher and a high school coach. Um, but what was starting to come of age was uh, performance training and strength and conditioning and fitness for basketball. Uh, and that seemed to be something much more to my liking. So uh, I basically became a basketball strength and conditioning coach or a performance coach. Um, if, if any of your listeners are, are familiar with youth level basketball, and I know how much basketball is exploding in Canada, Huge. by the way, Raptors. Go the Raptors. Washington DC area is kind of a Mecca for high school talent. Uh, so I was able to work at two different high schools that had some really, really, really good players, uh, players like Kevin Durant, uh, Victor Oladipo. Uh, and that ended up opening doors for companies for me to do work with groups like Nike and Jordan brand and USA basketball. And that's what led um, to the pictures behind me now was being able to work different academies and events with the best players in the game. And I, and I got to be a fly on the wall and, and see what they do behind the curtain as well as learn from and be mentored by uh, many of the best coaches in the game. And I did that for almost 20 years and, and really learned a tremendous amount, not just about basketball and performance, but about leadership and team cohesion and group dynamics and how to build culture and, and, and all of that kind of created the perfect storm to where I am today and, and to what I do today. Right on. So this is interesting because um, I love that you have trans, you have um, not transformed, but you have uh, pivoted in a way, um, basketball term. Pun intended or? Pivoted. <laughs> um, you pivoted your, your, your story a little bit there. So you, your dream was play basketball. At some point you realized I'm not going to the NBA. Um, but how do I stay involved with a thing that I love? And I often tell kids that we work with in our, some of our programs that 
they have these things called flags, fearless life-altering goals, crazy big, huge, massive goals. And even though you may not get there to exactly where you want to go along the journey, it might take you somewhere still that's involved some way with the ultimate goal you wanted at one point. So here's my, so that's what I love. I, I love that you said that you, you wanted to still be involved and you found a way to be involved. Um, so you've worked some, with some incredibly elite athletes at various parts of their lives in their game. And I know Nick, um, we did a lot of kind of some research, you know, leading up to this, and you wanted to lean into some of that elite kind yeah. of that performance that, that Alan's talked about before. Well, I guess, I guess, Alan, I mean, apart from like, you know, being born with this, you know, amazing predisposition to be a great athlete, like, you know, some of the athletes that you worked with are, are born with, what would you say is like the, you know, the process um, that sets, you know, elite athletes and elite entrepreneurs apart from, from people who, who, who aren't? Like what, what, are, what, are, what are they doing differently that, that most people aren't doing? What, 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 are, what are, in your findings have you, have you come to conclude? It almost always comes down to their mindset, their rituals, their habits, their disciplines, and their routines. Um, you know, and again, that's the part that I'm so fascinated with because uh, the mindset and habits and rituals and routines of a player like Stephen Curry or Kevin Durant or Kobe Bryant um, is the same type of stuff that an elite entrepreneur needs or an executive or a CEO. Um, and it, it comes down to uh, what I found is a thread that unites them all is never getting bored with the basics, is sticking to the fundamentals of what it takes to be successful, um, having almost a relentless obsession with getting better at your craft, you know, constantly trying to develop and sharpen your own sword. Um, and, and as you guys know, you know, uh, trying to master the basics um, is difficult in and of itself because it can be rather boring and it can be monotonous and it can be mundane. But one thing I've learned having done this for a long time now is, you know, not only do the best never get bored with the basics, but the basics always work. I mean, they always have and they always will. And, and no matter how much the world is changing and, and how much technology is advancing, the basic fundamental principles of what it takes to be successful uh, haven't and probably will not change. Okay, so if, if, you, could, if you could narrow down, and I know this is on the spot, um, I'm thinking about there's a book Isaiah Thomas wrote um, called The Fundamentals. And it's the comparison to basketball and life in business. Um, and he, he had eight fundamentals in that book, uh, direct comparisons basketball to life. If you could have two or three commonalities that, are, that are, seem insignificant, as you said, seem simple or seem whatever, what are those things that are, that are common in the great players? That are like, you know, I, I think to me, myself, like um, they, remain, they remain somewhat humble. And, and that work ethic never changes regarding how big they get. doesn't matter. So what are some of the things that you, you would, you would kind of like focus in on that are the commonalities? Well, you, you just tee that up perfectly, Stu, because you just hit it. Uh, humility is an incredibly important one. Uh, now, certainly to be a high performer and a high achiever, you have to have high self-worth and self-belief and you have to have high confidence. But you always have to have the humility uh, to know that you can still get better. And you have to be what we call coachable. You know, the best players that I've been around, whether it is LeBron or, or Steph Curry or Chris Paul, uh, those guys are incredibly confident in their skills, but they have the humility to remain coachable. That they're, they're, they're open to feedback on their game. They're open to the coaching and instruction on how they can get even better. Uh, and in fact, when you, you get to a level of those guys, they crave that specific feedback because 
you know, they've already mastered 99% of what they need. And they're looking for that last 1%, that last little bit that will give them the edge. And, and they really do. They crave it. And, and when they have a, a trust and a belief that what you have to share with them will give them that last 1%, they have tremendous humility, they're open, they're coachable, and they'll give you all of the effort and focus required for them to perform at a high level. So humility is absolutely one of the major fundamentals. Um, would you say that one of the fundamentals would be shortcuts and hacks? <laughs> I would not. Yeah, okay. I'm, a, uh, I'm a process guy, or as you guys like to say, process. We do, um, we do. We yeah, say things and, weird. And no, you know, in fact, I, I, I understand. I love language and I'm a, I'm a stickler for terminology and I know that everyone that, that uses the word hack doesn't necessarily mean it in that specific way. But, but for me, it's a connotation of what you just said, shortcut. Yeah. So I don't, I don't love when people say, Hey, I've got a life hack or a work hack to me that that just connotates that they're looking for a shortcut. And there really is no shortcut. You stick to the basics, you stick to the fundamentals, you do them consistently and you continually level up and push yourself and stretch and you'll become the best at your craft, whatever that craft may be over time. And that's really what the recipe is. See, a lot of people today, they forget the time component. They, yeah. they want to be great by next Friday and it just doesn't work that way. It takes time and maturity and experience and repetition, repetition, repetition. That's one of the things that I preach to kids all of the time is that repetition is not punishment. Repetition is the mother of all skill. Of Repetition is the oldest and most effective form of learning, and that will never change. So you have to fall in love with the process. So in, in, in speaking to the, about the process, Alan, what are some three, like, what are, I don't know, maybe three just for the sake of, of time. I know you can talk about this a lot. You're very passionate about it and it's great. But habitually, like, what are some, like, as an entrepreneur listening to this, what are some uh, habits that they could, you know, they could do on a, on a consistent basis? I mean, I love the fact that you said there's no, you know, quick fix, love, or, uh, you know, life hack that's going to get them success in, in one, one day, one week. Which is, a, I think, sorry to interrupt, a lot of entrepreneurs are looking for that, like, how do I rocket this business exactly. how do i do this overnight success thing and yeah. and I, I i've been in business for 27 years alan and it's taken me 27 years to build or as i say 27 years to become an overnight success mm -hmm. um so sorry i yeah. just i wanted to bring that in that oh, so conversation that's a good too. point so what like habitually what could like young entrepreneurs or, or, or entrepreneurs in general and that they, they could, that you would do or you would you would suggest that they do on a consistent basis to get them to you know as you put it level up or or get to that that level i know time and consistency is is one you've, you've touched upon but you know something habitually that you could do on a daily basis uh to be yeah, your the best version of yourself suggestions Here's what I'd recommend your listeners do, and this is for any entrepreneur or anyone that wants to improve their performance. Um, they have to have the mindset that you can't pour anything out of an empty cup, meaning if you want to be able to pour into others, to pour into your work, to pour into your family, to pour into your craft, uh, to pour into those you lead, then you have to make sure that your internal battery is fully charged and that your bucket is full. And, and lots of times entrepreneurs do the opposite. They burn the candle at both ends. They wear themselves down physically, mentally, and emotionally, and they simply don't have the energy, which is incredibly important to be an entrepreneur, to perform at their highest level. And many times I think it's because they feel that if they would take time for themselves, that, that that's being selfish. That, well, if I take an hour to recharge my battery, then I'm not you know, moving the business forward or I'm not pouring into others. 
and nothing could be further from the truth. Entrepreneurs need to fill their own bucket first in order to be able to lead others and to pour into their craft. It would be akin to LeBron James showing up for practice and he didn't get good sleep, he didn't eat anything, you know, he, he hadn't worked out in a while, like that, he's not going to be able to perform at his best. So what I recommend entrepreneurs do is make a list of the top three to five things that fill their bucket. And for everybody, it's different. You know, it might be taking a spin class or a yoga class. Uh, it might be going for a long walk and listening to classical music. Uh, it might be finding some solitude to either read or meditate. But find the things that recharge your battery, that give you energy so that you can perform at your highest level. And once you have that list, then you need to make the time to plug those in, especially to the bookends of your day, your morning and your evening routine. You know, how you spend the first 90 minutes and how you spend the last 90 minutes of your day will heavily dictate your ability to perform and your ability to achieve. So if you know that doing these activities refill your, your tank and your battery, then you need to make sure that you're doing them most mornings or most evenings so that you can perform at your highest level. And if you can make the habit of investing in yourself first so that you'll be high energy, then you can tackle anything and everything that comes across your plate. Love that. You know, you have a you have a great story. You you've met many many amazing athletes and stuff. I, I heard and, wor and worked with them directly and worked directly with them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you tell the story about Kobe Bryant? I, I, the reason why, and you know the story I'm talking about. I think Alan, where where at the at the the camp. I, the reason why is I, I we really you know process process <laughs> potato potato. We really want to talk about the process and the process of things, right? And you are uh, like an amazing example of that. You have great experience and you recognize. I mean, that's how you're building your business. It's just you're trusting the process and consistently showing up habitually doing it and and you know and and doing this these great things that you're doing I just want our entrepreneur listeners to understand that you know if the best in the world a person like Kobe Bryant who you know obviously now is retired but like has won all these accolades all these championships and is not only like was amazing at basketball he's actually crushing it in business now too right like and and how he does can you talk a little bit about, about his process and I know that you know that firsthand it's a fantastic story yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's crazy to think because time flies, but uh, and it's been over a decade now. But back in 2007, uh, Nike brought me out to Los Angeles to work the first ever Kobe Bryant Skills Academy. Uh, and for any of your listeners that, that that don't know a ton about basketball, just know that in 2007, Kobe was the best player in the world. Uh, Michael Jordan, who almost everyone has heard of, uh, had already retired. You know, actually twice at that point. And LeBron James, as great as he was was still climbing the mountain. So, so Kobe was, you know, arguably the best in the world. And Nike created this camp where they were going to bring in the top high school and college players from around the country to learn from the best. And, and thankfully, you know, they hired me to be the strength and conditioning and performance coach. And, you know, having lived in a basketball bubble my whole life, I'd always heard this urban legend of how insanely intense Kobe's private workouts were. Well, now that I was on camp staff, I figured this was my chance, this was my shot. So at my earliest opportunity, uh, I asked him if I could watch one and, and he was incredibly gracious and said, sure man, no problem, I'm going tomorrow at four. And I got a little bit confused because I had just got done looking through the schedule which said the first workout with the kids was the following day at 3.30. And I think Kobe noticed the confused look on my face because he quickly clarified that with a, uh, yeah, that's 4 a.m. Well, as you two guys know and your listeners know, there's not really a legitimate excuse on why you can't be somewhere at four in the morning. At least not <laughs> yeah. an excuse you can it's give. Not a traffic, like Kobe yeah. Bryant. So I basically committed myself to being there, and I figured 
if I was going to be there anyway, I might as well try and impress him and show him how serious of a trainer I was. So I came up with the plan to beat Kobe to the gym. So I set my alarm for 3 a.m. The alarm goes off. I jump up. I get dressed. And I I hop in a taxi. And I head to the gym. And when I step out of the cab, now it's 3.30 in the morning. So, of course, it's pitch black outside. But I could see that the gym light was already on. And I could even hear a ball bouncing and sneakers squeaking. Uh, When I walked in the side door of the gym, Kobe was already in a full sweat. Uh, He was going through an intense warm-up before his scheduled workout started with his trainer. And, you know, out of professional courtesy, I didn't want to interrupt the flow, so I didn't say anything to him or his trainer. I just sat down to watch. And in all honesty, for the first 45 minutes, I was really surprised. For the first 45 minutes, I watched the best player in the world do the most basic footwork and offensive moves. I mean, he was doing stuff I'd routinely done with middle school age players. Now, now keep in mind, this is Kobe Bryant. So he was doing everything, you know, at an unparalleled level of intensity and with unparalleled focus. uh, And he had surgical precision with every movement. But the actual stuff he was doing was incredibly basic. Now, his whole workout lasted a couple hours. and, And again, when it was over, I didn't say anything to him or his trainer. I just quietly left. But my curiosity got the best of me. I had to know. So later that day, I walked up to him and and asked him and said, Kobe, I don't understand. You're the best player in the world. Why are you doing such basic drills? And once again, he was very gracious and smiled, but said with with a serious tone, why do you think I'm the best player in the world? Because I never get bored with the basics. And and I remember that that taught me an incredibly pivotal, life-changing lesson. And that's just because something is basic it doesn't mean that it's easy. Those are not synonyms. Uh, if it was easy, everyone else would be doing it. But as you guys know and your listeners yeah. know, we live in a world that often tells us it's okay to skip steps, that tells us it's okay to circumvent the process, that all but begs us to chase what's hot and flashy and sexy yeah. and ignore the basics. And as we said at the start of this conversation, that is a grave mistake. The basics work. They always have and they always will. And and I remember thinking, if the best player in the world, as you just so brilliantly put, Nick, is has already achieved everything one could achieve, if he's willing to get up at 2.33 in the morning and go through the basic fundamentals during the off-season, then, then I don't think that's beneath any of us. And we should all have a similar mindset. And that doesn't mean that we have to get up at 3 in the morning. It just means we have to have a respect and an appreciation for the basics, but also have the humility to acknowledge that it, it sticking with the basics is not easy to do. Yeah, it's the long game, right? It's yes. it's the long game. It's not the short game. And if you compare any of the greats of all in sports specifically, but like the the Michael Jordans and the Wayne Gretzkys and people have done these great great they have similar stories where they just they you know thinking of Jordan you know taking free throws and Shaq taking I met Shaq and he he would tell stories just you know he knew he was horrible at free throws he knew he was horrible. But he kept on trying, and he'd go in an hour. He just kept on trying to get better at it. Even though he was already making bajillions of dollars and had already had success, he still tried to work on what he wasn't good at. And I think that's 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 the, that's with entrepreneurship. I mean, people who think that life is an entrepreneurship is based on a quick journey of success and and whatever else, but it's not. It's it's the years in and the consistent fundamentals you keep working on. Absolutely. Well, I, what I find is interesting, and this is just kind of a side note, is you were saying it's the off-season, right? I mean, his entire life is around basketball. He could have theoretically have done that workout any time during the day. 
but he he chose i mean i know he had some obligations with the camp and such but he chose to do it at three in the morning which you know sets him apart from you know his great he's already the greatest in the world nobody would have looked at him and been like well if you sleep in until nine you're a little late for the work you know what i mean but he's up in the morning and he's getting it done well you know i got some insight on why he did that and the reason was and this is this goes back to what you guys just teed up about the long game and the cumulative compound effect he knows that even the, the, the most ambitious NBA players in the offseason probably are going to do what you just said and work out at, say, 8 or 9 in the morning for their first workout. And then they'll come back later that day and get in a second workout. Well, in Kobe's mind, he says, well, if I get one in at 4, then I'm already on workout number 2 at 9 in the morning when you're getting your first workout. And then when you're getting your second workout, I'm on workout number 3. So every day I'm going to get in at least one more workout than you which won't make a huge difference at the end of the week. It won't make a huge difference at the end of the month, but you start doing that every day for yeah. five or six years and you won't come anywhere close to being able to touch me and my skill level and my mastery of the craft just based on the fact that I'm always taking one step further than you are every single day. And, and that was his mindset. And I know he's applying the same stuff to business. You know, now that he's a, a family man and he has children, you know, I've heard him say the same thing in business. He gets up and he does a lot of his physical work because he still wants to stay in great shape. He still does it in those early morning hours. So then, then he can spend the morning with his, his daughters and then he can spend a full day working on his business. He, he doesn't have to, to take different pieces of the pie out or sacrifice any of them because he's willing to, to make those personal sacrifices to his schedule. But that, that compound effect of no matter what you do, I'm always gonna get in one more workout a day than you. I mean, that's why he played for 20 years at the highest of levels. Yeah, absolutely. You have a great analogy about the hourglass, the, the hourglass analogy. Can you share yeah. with our listeners about the hourglass analogy? I, I think it's just so on point, Alan. I think it's so relevant to, you know, not only athletes, but entrepreneurs and, and, and people in business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think one thing that unites all of us is as we get older and more mature and have more experience, uh, we get a stronger appreciation for the concept of time. You know, I have three young kids. I have eight-year-old twin sons and a six-year-old daughter. And, and of course, at that age, they think time is infinite. You know, they can't even fathom getting older. Uh, they can't even fathom that, that at some point time will run out. But, you know, as, as I get older and, and as I see my parents getting older and, and other friends and loved ones, I mean, it's very clear to me that, that, that time is, is incredibly precious. And I firmly believe that the moment each of us were born, uh, a, an hourglass got flipped over and sand started falling. And I've learned, you know, I'm almost 43 years old and, and in 43 years I've learned that there are three indisputable truths about that hourglass and there are three indisputable truths about time in general. Uh, one, none of us has any idea how much sand is at the top because time is not promised and tomorrow is not guaranteed. Um, you know, each of us and everyone listening right now knows someone whose sand ran out probably prematurely or unexpectedly. Yeah. Yeah. And that just is a, a constant reminder that tomorrow is not promised. Uh, number two, we can't stop the sand from falling to the bottom. You know, time doesn't stop. You can't pause it. You know, you, you can take a nap or you can take a vacation, but the calendar is always flipping and the clock is always ticking. And, and number three, and this one's really, really important. Once that sand hits the bottom, it's gone. And it's gone forever because you can't get time back. Uh, now, you can learn from the past. And if you're smart, you will learn from the past. But you can't relive the past. And, 
Uh, that's important to remember both in the short term and in the long term, uh, that we can't undo any of that. You know, yesterday's newspaper, it's already been printed. We can't change it. And I think constantly revisiting those three truths will give you a much stronger appreciation and respect for time, which then hopefully you'll apply that to the way you schedule your life so that you are investing your time as opposed to wasting your time. And, and with all of that said, with time being our most precious resource, I firmly believe that our attention in the present moment is the most valuable currency we have. The most, the most valuable gift we can give another human being is our attention in the present moment. And you know that's why I know how much you guys value your listeners and, and your, your viewers, because they're giving us right now their attention. And it's our obligation and our duty to make sure they're getting the, the better end of the value exchange, that we're giving them something that makes it worth the investment of their time. Um, because yeah. again, once it's over, it's over. And I, I think that what you've already given us today is incredible value yes. of time, I'm incredible. Um, and thinking of the hourglass analogy, um, if you could go back, Alan, to yourself as a, you know, a senior in high school, um, you know, 12th grade Alan Stein, like, um, what advice would you give yourself then, not now knowing what you know, what you've gone through and your personal, I mean, you have as well your own story of, you know, your family story and, you know, all that stuff you went through. Um, which if you want to know more about, learn more about Alan, but it's pretty awesome and it's pretty humble, pretty humble of you to share that story with people. Um, but what is the one piece of advice you give your 17-year-old self? Well, you know what's, what's almost funny tongue-in-cheek? The problem is that the 12th grade Alan probably wouldn't have listened because the 12th grade Alan already knew everything. The 12th grade Alan already had all the answers and, and wasn't near as humble and as open as, and as coachable thankfully, as the 43-year-old Alan is. Um, but if I could, you know, get through that hard exterior and talk some sense into that knucklehead, um, I would have talked about how important the process is. You know, I know that's been a, a running theme throughout our chat today, but that is the biggest difference between the 18-year-old Alan and the 43-year-old Alan. I was so focused on outcomes when I was younger and did not fully trust, respect, and appreciate the process, and now it's the complete opposite. I don't really worry about outcomes. I focus on what I can control, which is my own attitude and my own effort. I quickly move on to the next play, whether something goes well or it doesn't. Once it's over, I move on and I focus on the process. And, and interestingly enough, not only am I way happier and a lot more fulfilled, but the outcomes just tend to take care of themselves. Right. You know, And it, it's funny, people talk all the time, You know, like if you're an author and you write a book and they want to know, well, how do you make it a bestseller? Well, the very first step to making it a bestseller is writing a quality book, yeah. is writing the best book that you're capable of that people are going to want to read. But think of how many people, and we have a lot of friends that are authors, how many people try to skip that step? They, they want the outcome of being a bestseller, but they don't feel like putting in the work to writing something that's bestseller worthy. So the, the best advice I would give my younger self is trust and respect the process and the outcomes will just take care of themselves. You know, it's interesting. It's such a such a great answer, Alan. It's interesting. We talk about process and that. And you know, for our listeners, you know, getting back to you know your analogy or your story with with Kobe Bryant. You know, people who listen to me are like, yeah, well, it's easy for him to get up at three in the morning because he was the best in the world. And he wants to continue to be the best in the world. You have to tell an interesting story again about a person who was known as Dell's son. And I know you know who I'm talking about. And if you could share that, and the reason why I think it's such a great story 
is not only because of the process that we talked about, the process that we talked about, but it's also getting young entrepreneurs and people that are just starting out in their business to recognize that, you know what, you don't have to be on top of the mountain or you can climb the mountain and, 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 and just love the process as well while you're climbing the mountain. You know, Kobe Bryant was on top of the mountain. He didn't, wasn't born on top of it. He got no. there. And when you knew him, he was on top of it. But when you also knew, you know, Dell's son, he wasn't. You know, he was just coming out of David or first year Davidson. You tell a great story, and I think it just makes a really great, um, you know, it's a night. It, it it really transcends to entrepreneurship for young people who are like, this is a grind. I am not seeing any uh, results, but just to trust that you can do it every single day. It it would be, you know, it's, it's a good analogy. So if you can share that story of Dell's son, and I know you know who I'm talking about. I'd be happy to. And what you just said so perfectly and succinctly is the fact that you need to act like a champion before you can expect to win a championship. You have to behave like a champion before you're going to get that crown or that trophy. You have to have the habits of a champion before that will ever come to fruition. It's, it's simply cause and effect. Yeah, I mean, the reason these high performers are high performers is because they behaved as such well before they ever received the accolades. And it's the same thing with business. I mean, you could take any incredibly successful entrepreneur now, like Jeff Bezos from you know Amazon, and you look back at what he was doing 20, 25 years ago, yeah, he was in the gym at four in the morning working on his footwork back then, which is why he's able to do what he, he does now. But you know, uh, the, the story that you just teed up is one of my favorite ones uh, because it also happened at that same Kobe Bryant Skills Academy. Uh, I mentioned that they brought in the top high school and college players from around the country. Well, one of the college players was actually Stephen Curry. Um, but if you do the math and you look back in 2007, this was after his freshman year at Davidson. So this was before he blew up and, and became this national figure. Um, in fact, no one really knew who he was. I mean, many people think the only reason he even got an invite to the camp, uh, because his resume was not that impressive at the time, was because his dad played in the NBA for 12 years. And his dad, Del Curry, was, was an excellent player. Um, in fact, as you just said, most of the coaches referred to him as Dell's son. They didn't even call him Stefan or Steph. They called him Dell's son. Uh, but I remember immediately upon meeting him that there was something about this kid that was just different. Uh, he had a palpable energy about him um, that you could feel just, you know, being in his proximity. The first thing that really impressed me was he was always the first player off the bus, laced up, and going through kind of a pre-practice shooting routine. You know, while most of the other players were moving at a casual pace and waiting for the coach to blow the whistle, you know, an hour before workout started, he was going through a, a very specific shooting routine. And, you know, by the time the practice actually started, he'd already made a couple hundred game shots from game spots at game speed. He was already in a full sweat. So he understood the importance of preparation. Uh, but what really blew my mind, and still does to this day, uh, at the very end of the first workout, he and I did not formally meet, but I was standing really close to him at the end of the workout, and I had a shirt on that said, Coach. He said, Coach, will you rebound for me? Because I don't leave the gym until I swish five free throws in a row. Wow. Swish yeah. five free throws in a row. Uh, for any of your listeners that have never shot a basketball, let me tell you that is an incredibly high standard. Oh, yeah. A swish, by definition, one of the best is a outside perfect in the shot. It doesn't touch the rim. It doesn't touch the backboard. It gets its name because of the sound it makes when it hits nothing but net. And that was his standard of excellence. He wasn't going to leave until he swished five in a row. And I remember a few times he would swish four in a row. On the fifth one, he'd hit a little bit of the rim. It would still go in. 
He's still five for five. He's still mathematically perfect, but that wasn't good enough for him. He had a higher standard for himself. He would start over. And if memory serves, it never took him longer than 12 to 15 minutes uh, to swish five in a row. And, and I firmly believe Stephen Curry will go down in history as the greatest shooter the game has ever seen. And I know firsthand that's not by luck. That's not by accident. That's not because his dad played in the NBA. It's because he's willing to hold himself to an unparalleled standard of excellence. And that's a question that, that all of us should ask ourselves on a daily basis. And that is, you know, do the habits we have today, are they on par for the dreams we have tomorrow? That are the standards is, that we set today, are they in alignment with what it is that we're trying to achieve? Because if not, you either need to change your standards or you need to change your dreams because they can't, they can't live if they're not in harmony. Right. You know, little add on to that story. Uh, as you know, I'm sure Del Curry finished his career in Toronto as yes. a Raptor, uh, the number one team in the NBA right now. Um, just want to throw it out there. Um, they're incredible. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but uh, when Dell played for the Raptors, Steph would come in before the games uh, and shoot with the other NBA players on the Raptors, and he would come in practices and he would shoot as a he was an 11-year-old, I think, or something. It was, he was so young, mm -hmm. but he yep. was obsessed. It was interesting. I watched Vince Carter's uh, new documentary um, called The Carter Effect. Great documentary. Yes, it is. And he talks about how Steph Curry, at a little young age, would go and hang out with Del Curry and Vince Carter. And it was incredible that, that he had such a passion at such a young, young age. Steph Curry did. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's in there from the beginning, you know? And if, and if you can... You know, one of, the, one of the best gifts that I believe his dad gave him, and I, I firmly believe this, um, and, and this is as a parent and as a proud father, this is what I'm trying to impart on my children. Um, you know, clearly, Dell was a great shooter. So, yes, I'm sure he taught his son proper footwork, and I'm sure he showed him proper shooting mechanics. But the best gift he gave him was to model the fact that the, the preparation and the reps you put in during the unseen hours – dictate how good you'll be when the lights actually come on. And that was implanted in, in Steph at a very young age, as you just mentioned, yeah. that there's a cause and effect. The, the more purposeful practice and repetition I put in, the, the better I'll perform when the lights come on. And, and that's what I think um, was the conduit to him being as great as he is. He learned that at an early age, and, and most people don't. You know, even my own children, you know, they don't want to put in the practice they just want to go and play in the games. And, and I try to make sure that I connect the dots with them and show them that the practice and the preparation and the respect for the process is what will determine how well you play in games. One of my favorite quotes of all time is, you're only as good as you are when no one's looking. Yes, I love that. Right? So uh, we want to respect your time. Um, do you have a final question? Because I have a final question. Well, I, I mean, I just want to say thanks for coming out, Alan, really, to be honest. It's been, uh, like, like Sue said, we want to respect your time. But I could talk, I, I, just listening to you talk, you, 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 you get so lit up when you're talking about the things that you're doing. And, and I just think it's, it's so great. I know Sue's got a couple questions for you or one last question. But uh, I just want to say thanks a lot for your time. And I learned a lot. I, I have, like, a whole plethora of notes here. And I just, you know, I love the fact that you're just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to it and how you're, like, how you're connecting it through sport and business. And, and uh, I think you're giving us a lot of insight. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot. It's, it's, it's my pleasure. You know, it's, it's easy to get excited when you're around good guys like you, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity very much. Um, so I have, I have three final things. Uh, they're quick. They're all quick. Um, number one, uh, this April, 
uh, you're going to join us in Vancouver uh, for EPIC, uh, which stands for Entrepreneurs, Philanthropists, Innovators, and Collaborators. And I thought you could share uh, with our listening audience, because people might be interested in coming to EPIC, and we, have, uh, we do have space available, um, what you're going to share with, with those group of um, 100 amazing human beings. You know, I, I will tell you, in, in full transparency, you know, as far as respecting the process, your mindset should always be that your next game is the most important game on your schedule. Right. And you know, as a professional speaker, you know, your next talk is the most important talk that you have to give. Yes. And, and I do believe that. But I'd be lying if I didn't say how much I'm looking forward to Epic. And I'm not trying to skip over any of my January, February, or March events. Um, but man, that that I've had that date circled on my calendar for several months now, and I'm excited for the opportunity. But we're going to have a great time, and uh, I hopefully scratched the surface with this conversation yeah. of the types of things I plan on sharing uh, then. And if if you thought I had some good energy and enthusiasm in this talk, wait till you see it live. So Perfect. hopefully, anyone listening, uh, as Stu said, there's still tickets available. You need to come check it out. Yeah. Um, I, I know some of the other speakers that are in the lineup. And I'm just incredibly thankful to be alongside them because it is an amazing group and it will be an impactful, a meaningful, but it will be a life changing experience. Yeah. Uh, not only for the, the people attending, but I know for me as well. And, and I'm going to bring my A game and we're going to have so much fun. Yeah, we're bringing together the 14 best speakers I think I've ever seen. And it, the cool thing about it is they're going to have a chance to interact with you too, like ask you questions yes. and have a conversation. It's not just in the back of a thousand person room and hoping they get all they get, they can ask you questions and talk to you, which is great. Um, and all of our speakers. The second last question is, um, ready for it? Yeah, I'm always ready. Jordan? Or James, Jordan. Okay. No, no pause. And and I do. And I say that with absolute full respect of LeBron James. I, I think one of the hardest parts is simply just to compare players of different eras um, it's because a the competition level is different. Um, you know, the rules have changed a lot. Um, but it's hard for me not to go with Jordan based on my age at 43. I mean, my prime basketball years, I grew up watching him. And, you know, I went to several of his games live when he would play the – they were actually the Washington Bullets at the time, but now the Washington Wizards. Um, so having seen him up close and personal, I just think he had that little intangible something different that it's hard to quantify, and, and I would give him the slight edge. Um, but LeBron is absolutely the greatest player of the last 20 years yeah. and will be on the Mount Rushmore when it's all said and done uh, and is doing some things now that – Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't even know were, were physically possible for somebody of his size. Uh, so I say that with the utmost respect. I am a huge LeBron fan. Yeah. No, I, I, but I, do you remember when Jordan used to do his big um, live specials about where he was going to play next? No, he never had those. He never had, Jordan never had those specials. He just it, played the game. Yes. Um, and my last thing is, um, well, two last things, I guess. You got a new book out. What's the, tell us the book's name and, and uh, you know, where it's available. What, what the, kind of the premise yeah, is of the book. Yeah, uh, I'm super excited. It's called Raise Your Game. Uh, and you can go to raiseyourgamebook.com. And it's really a, a collection of organized thoughts and lessons and tangible takeaways on the same type of stuff that we've been talking about yeah. in this conversation uh, on how you can improve performance, whether it's in sport or it's in business, um, on what it takes to not only be a great leader, but also to be a great teammate and to create the type of culture where you can win. And again, I say win even if you're in business, you create the type of winning yeah. culture um, that, that you're in great service 
of your colleagues and your coworkers, and you're in great service of your clients and your customers. Um, so I'm very, you know, I'm very proud of the book. I'm very pleased with with the way that it turned out, and am excited to get it in some people's hands and hopefully make an impact. Awesome! It's available everywhere. What's that? It's available everywhere. The book. It, it yeah, it's available for pre-order now. It will come out January eighth, and you can get it from all major uh, online retailers: uh, Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm super excited for it. And if you come to Epic, you'll get a copy of it, Nick. Perfect. Look yes, you will. It. A signed and copy. A signed copy, and Nick will be there, and I'll be there, so we'll get copies. We're pumped. I'll probably get one before that, just just to be honest, so I can so I can read it before we have a chance to hang out um, again in person. Um, awesome. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, but so I have two different websites. I have my AllensteinJr.com site, which is basically the hub for my my speaking, uh, the blog, uh, everything else that I do, and then RaiseYourGameBook.com is dedicated solely to the book. Uh, I'm at Alan Stein Jr. on the major social platforms and love engaging with people on social. So uh, anyone listening, you know, shoot me a tweet or a, a DM on, on Instagram and, and, and say what, that you listened and what you liked or uh, what I could help you with. Uh, um, I'm very thankful to be in a position um, to be able to share with others and to hopefully help other people raise their game. And, and, and I don't take that for granted. I take that very serious and I'm, and I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Awesome. At Alan Stein Jr. Um, thanks, man. This was uh, this was truly epic. My pleasure. I appreciate you both immensely. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. Well, that uh, was um, awesome. I really enjoyed that podcast. It actually, it, I got more out of it than I thought I was going to get out of it. And and Alan's ability to really link um, real life entrepreneurship, business to basketball was fantastic. It really was. I mean, what is uh, one of the things that I got out, that I, the takeaways that I got out what from was it? it? What'd you get? The takeaway. You said takeaway. No, I said takeaway. You had an accent. You went, the takeaways. Well, I spent a little time in Europe. You knew that. Mm. So, anyway. I don't think takeaways from Europe, more like Australia. Oh, yeah. You were right on point with that Australian mm -hmm. accent. <laughs> yeah. The takeaway. Mm -hmm. I can say takeaway however I want, by the way. But the takeaway that I took from it is the process of things. I really do think uh, I'm a big believer in, in um, your habits are where you, you know, where you gain um, your successes, where, what you do when no one's around. And I, I really love the fact that he was, uh, he's a big advocate of, of really sticking to the process and being consistent. Yeah. And he had some great stories, as everybody listened to and heard and saw, the great stories where, you know, he talked about Kobe Bryant and, and Steph Curry and how they were just consistently, constantly... Uh, concentrating on the process and that's yeah. how it became great and he articulated the business beautifully it's great yeah and I think um, his hourglass analogy was fantastic yeah. I really enjoyed that and I also think we finally um, I think we've established that Jordan is the greatest basketball player <laughs> of, of all time exactly and I think Alan said it so Must with great true. respect to to LeBron yep. and to Kobe and to Shaq and whoever else but if you disagree don't add us I don't like don't at us you know what I mean they're gonna come at you no, at add us at us okay well six at, rings Stu, that's true. Six rings. He's got six, six rings. Six eh? rings. Yeah, so. He's the greatest. But I mean, I'm, I'm, we're all, I think we're all biased, but I think he's, Alan, Alan said it, so it's got to be true. Yeah. So don't forget to uh, follow and to um, follow all of his information on the show notes and uh, watch for his book. And actually, there is one difference. Uh, there's one kind of, what do they call them, Easter eggs in the movies? There's one uh, or one unique difference, difference in this podcast. If anybody out there can... Uh, email me or, or DM me, whatever you call it, uh, the difference you've noticed throughout this podcast, one specific thing, 
I will get you a copy of Alan Stein's book as soon as it comes out. So email me, stew at ylcc.com or DM me at ylcstew on Instagram. Um, and I will get you a copy, a free copy of Alan Stein's book. Um, if you can tell me what the one thing that was different within within this podcast, there was a change within the podcast. So we'll see uh, we'll see who gets it because you get a free book. Uh, Nick has no idea what I'm talking about. None, zero. And uh, it's gonna be great. So until next time, um, please um, you know work hard, but most importantly, keep being authentic. This is what I got to say.